Voices of the Elephant is proudly sponsored by SiteGround.com, a leader in website hosting and a terrific partner for all your website projects. Their top-notch technologies will make your websites fast and secure. Welcome to the Voices of the Elephant podcast. Each episode of Voices of the Elephant brings you an interview with a member of the PHP community. From project leaders to user group organizers, we talk to the people that are helping make the PHP community special. Hi and welcome to another episode of Voices of the Elephant. My name is Cal Evans. I'm your host and my special guest today is my good friend, Mr. Larry Garfield. So how to everybody, Larry. Hi, Cal. Hi, everyone. Haven't seen you since before times. Yeah, I know. Um, been a while. And you know, I, I think, I haven't done the research, but I think with this episode, you might be in the lead for the person that's appeared on the most um, Voices of the Elephant episodes. I have to go back and count the... Um, it's the booze talking um, because yeah, those I, those count also. But um, you, I think you've I been cheated against... because my the first time you interviewed me, we did three episodes in one sitting, so that's kind of cheating. <laughs> that that is cheating, but yes. Um, hey, uh, we got a lot to talk about. You, since you're not a first timer, we're going to skip the usual uh, "what's your hero" backstory, uh, but we're going to start with a topic that I'm very excited about. I've been excited about for some time now, and that is preloading with PHP. Now, you've, you were talking about it on um, on Twitter the other day, and that was one of the main reasons I invited you, is talk to us about some of the advances that are being made. Um, obviously, you have some opinions on preloading, so let's just launch right into that. Sure. So preloading is one of the many new and exciting features in PHP 7.4. Uh, the list is long, but preloading mm -hmm. is uh, the one we're talking about here. Preloading, uh, to be fair, I did the documentation for it. I did not write the code itself. Uh, all credit to Dimitri for actually making this thing work. I think it was oh, Dimitri yeah. anyway. I hope I get that right. Preloading lets you, uh, so normally when PHP starts, you have your process starts and the first thing you're gonna do is include 50 or 100, 2000 other files that contain all of your code. And it could be through an autoloader, it could be manual includes. In one way or another, you're including a bunch of files. And that's gotten a lot faster in recent years with um, autoloading makes it easier and the opcode cache makes the actual load process a lot faster. But there's still a, I have to go run an include statement process involved. Mm, yeah. Preloading lets you specify a PHP script that runs when PHP FPM or Apache starts before any requests are handled that runs once and can include files once. Once those files are included into memory, they stay in memory forever. Mm -hmm. So you can say in every request I have, I'm using these eight classes. So I'm just going to load those eight classes into memory once when the process starts up. And then when I'm handling requests, every request that comes in, oh, I need to use the requests interface class. It's already defined in memory, so it's done. There's no include needed. There's no parsing needed. There's no anything needed. It's already there in memory. Yeah. And depending on your code base, this could be either a very slight performance improvement or a very substantial perform performance improvement, depending on 
a hundred different variables. Mm -hmm. So that, that's well, the, the TLDR version. Now, have you, um, have you done any benchmarking on, on the preloading and how it's affecting different frameworks and different uh, systems? I haven't. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw some benchmarks last year when it was uh, just coming out, you know, late, late last year, early this year. Yeah. And again, the performance difference can vary widely depending on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, I yeah. think in most cases, uh, I saw there was a measurable uh, CPU performance benefit mm -hmm. at the cost of some higher memory usage because yeah. you're including classes into memory, which you may not actually use on every request, depending on which classes you're including. And so if you know, in that ideal configuration, you spend a little bit more memory and get vastly more uh, CPU performance because you're skipping auto-loading 2000 classes that you are using or whatever. Good point, good point. Um, if you misconfigure it, then you could probably, you know, like if you do a, a lazy and sloppy approach, then you end up in pre-including all of your test classes, which you're never going to run in your production requests, at least I hope not. And so you've got this extra memory overhead just sitting there wasting bytes in memory that, that serves yeah. no purpose. So you do have to do some manual thinking about it. I know Symfony now includes a auto-generated mm -hmm. uh, preload file that kind of has their recommendations for what to preload. I think that's a good starting point. Um, but if you really want to get the most out of it, you should do some benchmarks yourself and say, all right, according to my op cache, I'm including this file on 80% of my requests. I'll just preload that. Yeah. And some manual tweaking is necessary. I would love to see some of these static analysis tools that we've got um, start looking at the code and saying, these are what we recommend you based on how we see your code flowing. Um, I know back at um, Sunshine PHP, back in the before times, uh, I sat down with Derek and Sarah and we talked about preloading. Hang on just a sec. Wow, I hate it when that happens. Okay, we talked about preloading and the fact that Sarah said that, I, I believe it was Sarah, I'm working off memory here, which is never good for me. But Sarah said that um, we could look at about 13% increase, but, and she was talking similar to you, you don't want to preload everything. Because my first thing was, hey, I'm running WordPress, I'm just going to suck the entire WordPress into uh, memory. And if I've got the memory in my um, web server and I've got nothing better to do with it, which is questionable, um, you know, that, that might be fun to do. But she said, uh, you want to load your hot 100. And these are the classes, like you said, the mm -hmm. ones that everybody uses or the ones that you use the most. Uh, and again, I do a lot with WordPress right now. So, um, you know, the, a lot of the, the, the WordPress DB connection, the WordPress user object, these right. kind of things that are used in every single request. You get those in, um, in preload. And yeah, you, you, you don't have to, uh, Derek explained it. It not only compiles it like opcode cache does, but it also does all the linking. And so exactly. ev everything is there that it needs to do. It never has to touch that again. The downside is it will never ever touch that again until you restart your web server or web service. So. Yeah. And I think that's an important technical detail to call out is that linking. Mm -hmm. um, when PHP includes a file, even if it's already cached, on include is, it was, is when it says, all right, I've got a class here. It extends this other class. Is it type compatible or is there a, you know, the, the types on one of the methods wrong? It has to do that check, even if there's 
the op cache is already compiled. Preloading mm -hmm. does all of that once, which also means it only can do that if you're including the entire inheritance hierarchy. So if you have class A and class B extends that and class C extends that, you cannot preload class B unless you already pre also preload A and B. Well, now the way Derek explained it was if you include class B, PHP will go ahead and grab class A, any interfaces, any traits, and bring those into the, um, the preload. So if it can. If it can, okay, yeah, if yeah, it can I, find them. And that, that actually is one of the things I discovered uh, while doing the documentation because hmm. I noticed recently that preloading still wasn't actually documented and that's a bad thing, so I fixed that. Yeah. And there's several ways you can include the files. You can include uh, with include a require or include require once and they all work more or less the same. Mm -hmm. Or you can use a function called opcache compile file. Hmm. And they work a bit differently. Opcache compile file <clears throat> will include just the file on its own, but not execute it. It'll just load the symbols. So if you have any code in the in that file other than declaring a class or declaring a function, that won't actually run. However, that because it doesn't actually run, if there's any missing dependencies at that point, it's fine. So if you have those three classes, A, B, and C, you can opcode compile file them in any order. Mm -hmm. If you use include or require and so on, then it will execute the file as normal, which means if you have a conditional uh, declaration, you know, if function not defined, define the function, stuff like that, um, that will run. It also means if you include other files from there, those will get included. But it also means if you don't, then it can break. So if you have an autoloader hooked up and you include class C, or you opcode, you know, let me start that over. <laughs> if you have an, an autoloader hooked up and you require the file with class C, autoloader will pick up and load B and A, mm -hmm. and those will also get preloaded. If you do not have an autoloader configured, it will say C can't, you know, C extends B, B isn't defined, I'm gonna break right now. Yeah. If you use opcache compile file, then you can include them in any order you want, and it doesn't matter if there's an autoloader. Okay. Which of these is better? Depends what you're doing. Um, I don't have any global recommendation for that. Like if so much in programming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you have an autoloader available at that point, then require might work better. I also discovered that uh, if you use require once or include once, it appears that the once cache doesn't actually propagate over to the requests. Mm. So it will still try to re-include those files if you have an include once or require once in your code, but it won't actually break. I don't entirely know what's going on there, um, but it, it does rerun the script, but doesn't redeclare the symbols. I feel like that's a bug, but I'm not sure. I, I need to file that actually. It does feel like one, the, yes. See what the people with a higher pay grade than me think about it. Well, that that is fascinating. And thank you so much for writing the documentation. Yes, that was an area that did not have um, documentation. And I always love it. Um, the PHP, I've always said that, there are three things that make PHP great. The language itself is so flexible. The community is so wonderful, but the documentation is so great. So, and that's thanks to people like you that help keep this up and keep it going. So.
Now it's time for you to be a game changer with the Ring Central Developers Game Changer Program. Grow your skills, help others in the community, and get rewarded with awesome prizes like Ring Central swag, conference tickets, software, iPads, computers, and so much more. Don't just be a developer, be a game changer and join the program today. For more information, visit developers.ringcentral.com. Preloading. Um, as, as you you mentioned, it, once you preload something, it's there forever. You have to restart the process in order to uh, update code. Mm -hmm. Which means one, you really don't want to do this in developments because then you have to restart oh. PHP FPM every time you edit a file. And if I wanted to do that, I would be writing in a compiled language in the first place. <laughs> the other factor is if you're running on a host that uh, is container-based, you're probably going to be knocking over your container and restarting it anyway every time you deploy new code. That's how mm -hmm. Platform SH works, uh, that, where I work. Mm -hmm. That's the perfect environment for preloading because anytime you're updating code, the file system is read-only, uh, you're restarting the container anyway, you're restarting FPM anyway. Mm -hmm. So knocking PHP FPM over and restarting it to get a new preload has zero cost because you're already doing everything you would need to do. Uh, so bear that in mind, make sure that you're not using it in development, you are using it in production, and that your production environment is one that plays nicely with that. If you're using a read-only file system, like a good host, like Platform does, mm -hmm. then there's no problem, you're doing it anyway. Uh, so it's, it, it's the kind of feature that fits really, really well with modern cloud hosting. Okay. Now, you guys support preloading? Absolutely. This platform, okay. Just, Absolutely. just making sure. Yeah. Yeah, and you also need I to make sure it's... that you need to make sure that you're not um, trying to do this on a shared hosting environment because um, that you know yeah. that, that that could get ugly in a hurry. <laughs> yeah, it, shared hosting with preloading um, get ugly in a hurry is a, a good way of putting it. That's <laughs> yeah, you could pre end up preloading someone else's code and then yep. who knows when things restart and that, yeah, just don't do that. This is a feature for dedicated servers or dedicated containers where you have your own FPM process. Uh, if you're not in that, then please don't do this. Totally agree. Hey, uh, let's move on to our next um, topic because this we've just got, basically got a bag of things we're talking about. These aren't really um, that related, um, but you've got a book out. Um, now, is this I a do? new book? Uh, it came out in May. May, okay. You've got a book out uh, on functional programming. And I, as I yes. told you before we started recording, I absolutely hate functional programming. It's a bastardization <laughs> of the concept of programming and people should be burned at the stake for doing it. That having been said, talk to us about why you like <laughs> talk to, So, Tell us why functional programming is the way you prefer to code. So I'm going to back up and change that question just a little bit. Okay. And one of the points I make in the book is that functional programming should not be seen as a completely separate independent thing okay. from the way you're normally coding. There's procedural coding, there's functional principles, and I, I describe it in the book as there's functional style programming, which is programming in a certain style. Then there are functional languages that really make that style easy and encourage it. And there's strictly functional languages that really don't let you do anything else. Give us an example but, of a strictly functional language. Haskell. Okay. 
yeah, if you're talking about Haskell or ML or the really hardcore computer science languages that mm -hmm. most people talking about functional programming end up using Haskell. And if you don't already know Haskell, it is completely incomprehensible. And that gives functional programming a bad name. Mm -hmm. And that's part of why I wanted to write the book was there's a lot of good stuff here that is very familiar to what you're used to if you're doing mainstream object-oriented PHP, just expressed in a different way. But if you express it in Haskell, then PHP people can't read it. So I tried to take that same concept and express it in PHP to demonstrate there's actual good stuff here. A lot of it is just a different name for the same kind of concepts we're used to, mm. just done in a different way. So for example, um, a pure function. Basic concept in functional programming. It's a function whose only input is explicitly in its parameters and its only output of any kind is its return value. Doesn't do input or output, doesn't change a global, doesn't modify its input parameters. Just you put stuff in, stuff comes out. Mm -hmm. That concept absolutely applies to anything you're doing. And the benefits of mm -hmm. that are enormous. And if you're writing good modern PHP, your service objects are stateless. Guess what? That's a function. That's it true, it yeah. applies all that same concepts of the object's created. It, its state doesn't change. You pass a method, you know, pass stuff into a method. It gets a return value back. You pass the same value in a second time, you'll get the same value back. That all the same benefits are there when you have pure functions. You don't have to be in Haskell to do that. Um, that then lets you do things like map and filter, okay. which are the functional ways of doing the equivalent of a for each loop with a bunch of if statements inside it. But it lets you break up your logic so that instead of having a single code block that is iteration and filtering and actually doing something, mm -hmm. that iteration, filter, and do, do a thing, you can break up into discrete pieces and then reassemble them. That means each of those pieces you can write separately, you can test separately, you can reuse separately, you can swap out independently. It's the same, you know, break it down into constituent parts logic that we're used to, just more of it and done now, in a way that's much more declarative. In PHP, mm -hmm. how does this manifest itself? Um, do you create a function in a variable, store it in a dependency injection container, and then pull it out when you want? Uh, do you have classes that wrap these functions? How, how, do, how does this manifest? The concepts can manifest in a number of different ways. Mm -hmm. Most of what I have in the book are, I don't have a complete framework built this way. I'm mm -hmm. toying with that idea, but I haven't done it yet. But most of the, the examples are, here's a piece of logic. Let's approach it in a functional way. Okay. So as an example, one of the chapters I have um, is I want to get the possible sales or promotions for stuff in a current user's shopping cart. Reasonable thing to do. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the way you do that in strictly procedural code, it's a function wrapped inside a function, wrapped inside a function, wrapped inside a function, and you've got this you know, big nested call with 18 closing parentheses at the end, and that's disgusting. You've been reading my code again. <laughs> if um, you do that in a traditional object-oriented way, then 
okay, you end up with a nice fluent interface, but only if you have the methods on the right objects. And does that method really make sense on that object or you're violating single responsibility there? And you end up with a lot of issues where you're, you're tying your data structure to your logic flow in ways that don't always fit. That working on this book made me realize just how much of a problem it is that standard object-oriented code glues together the idea of data structure and business logic. That was and the original just how concept, often yes. that breaks. And just how often that breaks. There are mm -hmm. places where it's really helpful, but basing the entire system on that, you end up with methods in places that don't make any sense. Hmm. The functional approach uses function composition or piping. Mm -hmm. So you say, all right, take the function that says get current user and then pass the return value of that to the function that says get user shopping cart and pass the return value of that to the function that says um, get things in the shopping cart that have a promotion available right now and, and so on. Okay. And with in a, a language that's more functional than PHP that um, take return value of function A, pass it to function B, pass its return to C and so on, has its own operator. There's a function pipe operator in many languages. Mm -hmm. PHP doesn't have that yet, although I do have an RFC I'm working on uh, to add that in the future mm -hmm. to be determined. Um, we'll give you, get to that a little bit later. But you can imitate that with a function that returns a function. So you have a function compose that you pass an array of functions to, and it just has a for each loop inside it that calls one and gets the return value and passes that mm -hmm. to next which is also the functional reduce operation. Mm -hmm. So you can write that entire compose in a single operation called reduce. And Very that's cool. leading into the book. So you end up with, and, and then in PHP 7.4, we also got short lambdas, which yes. I think you've probably talked about on the show before. Uh, short lambdas, the, short lambdas are the reason they wrote this book, really, because short lambdas, let you take, you know, they let you do things in a much more compact and nice syntax that we couldn't do before, or if we could, it was just ugly. Mm -hmm. Things like this chaining of functions, every function needs to have, take only a single input parameter. What do you do if you have a function that takes multiple? Mm -hmm. You wrap it in another function that an anonymous function or a closure that already captures all of the other parameters except the one you want to pass through. You could mm -hmm. do that. You've been able to do that in PHP since 5.3. Mm -hmm. That's basically what an object is, is just pre-closing, you know, pre-caching pre some of those input parameters. Mm -hmm. But short lambdas just make the syntax for that so much nicer. And so you mm -hmm. end up with this really cute little block of compose, bunch of anonymous functions with short lambdas. And you can see everything you're doing there. And each of those individual steps, you can test independently. They don't need to call each other. They don't need to have a deeply nested A equals B equals C equals D. Mm -hmm. It makes it a lot easier to see what's going on and write very small purpose-built components. It's easy to glue together. And then if we can get uh, a pipe operator into PHP in the future, that syntax becomes even nicer. And I don't know if you want to go down this route, but I also... There's a, a chapter in the book that explains monads in a way that people have said makes sense. 
let's save that for another episode uh, yes. because you've you've mentioned the pipe operator a couple times, and that is a perfect segue into the third um, section of our talk, which is um, you've got two or three different. Well, you've got uh, you know you've got three uh, different RFCs that you have either proposed or you're working on. Actually, you've got two. I only listed two, um, and the first one is the pipe operator, but this one's on hold. Now right. that I understand why, because my first question when I read that was, okay, why? This just looked like syntactical sugar, but now it, it makes a lot more sense. Um, talk to us about why this particular one's on hold and when we might see it. So this RFC uh, I put together, after having worked on the book and started to understand, oh, this is where that pipe operator thing is useful. Mm -hmm. Sarah Goldman actually proposed a pipe operator for PHP six years ago, something like that, a long time ago, hmm. um, and never actually finished it. Um, but in her version, there was a, so yeah, the, a pipe operator that was take, take thing on the left and pass it as parameter to the thing on the right. Mm -hmm. In her case, the thing on the right was an expression and it had a special dollar dollar placeholder for where you would inject the left sides uh, argument which I, I kept teasing her. She should have called the bling uh, operator, but <laughs> they never got finished. When uh, short lambdas came out, I felt, all right, this is close enough because short lambdas make it easy enough to make a, a partial function application like that, where you pass in just some of the parameters. Mm -hmm. And so I figured, all right, let's try it. And the reception I got was mostly this is good, I like it, but we really should get partial application first because no one likes use, you know, the, the people on the list didn't like using short lambdas for that. They felt it was too verbose. Mm. So, all right. Um, Levy Morrison, I believe, had mm -hmm. an RFC that he'd written, but not, any, not done any code for. Uh, that was just sitting there hanging out for partial function application, which is basically the same thing where you take a function, wrap on another function, that pre-fills some of the parameters, mm -hmm. which again, you can do in user space now. It would just be really nice to have a core syntax and language for it. I took a stab at that. I realized it was way over my head in terms of what I, my level of PHP internals still is still minuscule. Um, so it, it way over my head, but I started talking with, I'm going to horribly butcher his name. I apologize. Um, Ilja, Tovlu, I, I got no idea. <laughs> we can put a link. I know in the who show you're notes. talking I, about. I just got no idea how to pronounce it. So yeah, but that guy, he's I believe Swiss, or he's in Switzerland, and nice guy. But I'm sorry, I have no idea how to pronounce the name. <laughs> um, but just got to talking to him, and so we swapped some work on that, and he did some initial work on that RFC in return for me doing some research for enums, which he'd like to add to PHP in the future. And okay. me too, because enums would make monads a lot better. Teaser for later. Um, it's more work than could be done in a short amount of time. So we ran up against feature freeze, which is as we're recording this, I think today. Yes. So I said, all right, cool. We'll just wait for uh, 8.1. So fingers crossed, hopefully, we want to try and get a uh, partial function application and then the pipe operator into 8.1, which would make this kind of 
make a function that is simply piping a bunch of other functions together, stupidly easy. And now, in a nutshell, that's the goal there. Just because people can't see right now, and I'll, I'll throw a link into the RFC in the show notes, but because people can't see it, we're talking piping in the traditional Unix sense of you yes. have something and you hand it off to something else and then the output of that can be handed off to something else. So one of the things that makes Unix so wonderful. That, that's exactly. the kind of piping that we're doing. Yeah, if, you're, if you've used the pipe, command, pipe character in a shell mm -hmm. command of you know, output one thing, pipe some other command, pipe some other command, that is exactly what we're talking about, just in PHP code. And with functional programming, this will make functional programming easier mm -hmm. and better, uh, nicer to look at because each function, you can take the output of one function, just hand it to the next function like we do in Unix all the time. Exactly. And it's not something you have to use universally. The idea is make, you know, one of the great things about PHP is that it is multi-paradigm. You can write straightforward procedural code in PHP and it'll work. You can write, you know, classic OO code in PHP, it'll work. You can write functional code in PHP, it'll work. Depending on what you're doing, one of these may be a better fit or, or not. Yeah. My goal with the book and with the RFCs I've been looking at is make the functional side of that, the functional one, easier and more natural so that when it's an appropriate way to approach a problem, mm -hmm. you can just dive in and use that. It doesn't mean I'm against using classes. Uh, you know, functional code does not mean there's no classes in your code. In fact, there's a very good use case to have classes in functional PHP code. It's giving you another tool to attack problems that fit that style well. Okay. Hey, uh, we've got one more thing since you're working on one more RFC, um, but we're, we're going a little long. That's okay. Who cares? I talk, um, talk to us a little bit. You're talking, you are working on a PHP namespace policy. Um, and I assume that is in the engine or does this affect user land as well? This is an engine or PHP internals uh, policy okay. document. I did not originate it. Backstory here. There's back when PHP adopted namespaces in the first place, back in 5.3, mm -hmm. there was kind of a soft expectation that the PHP namespace itself, just backslash PHP, would be reserved for internals to use. And if user space tried to put a class there, you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. It was never really formalized and internals never really started using it. Hmm. And at various times, there have been a lot of people saying, hey, we should start doing that with pushback of, but we're not using it yet, so why start using it now? It's largely what the argument comes down to of, you know, if we started doing that, it'd be inconsistent, so better to just dump everything in the global namespace like it's the year 2000. And recently, multiple people put forward RFCs uh, to say, hey, let's start doing that. And we're met with mixed results. One of them in particular, uh, its problem was, it was just too vague and wishy-washy. Mm -hmm. And if you know me, you know that vague and wishy-washy are not things I do. No. <laughs> so I started talking with Mark Randall, uh, who was responsible for that RFC originally, and did some online discussions and got, the, got some brainstorming, and then sat down to write a new version of that RFC that was much more precise and formal, and here's how internals should go about naming things. Hmm. Not because it was my idea, just because I'm good at writing tight, precise uh, descriptions of things. That's what I do. Mm -hmm. And 
figured, all right, win or lose, pass or not, at least have something concrete that people can vote up or down on. Yeah. And so we put that forward and it looks like it's been voted down on. So oh, bummer. Yeah, I'm not surprised, but disappointed yeah. um, because there doesn't seem to be any interest in an RFC that says internals will never use namespaces at all. So we're going to have this fight over should this thing be in the namespace or not every time it comes up without a, a standard policy on it. Well, keep pushing it. I really liked the concept, um, not only of the slash PHP, but of the slash EXT. I, I, I really um, liked those namespaces uh, because to me, they just make sense. Um, and they, you're right. If you're, if you're doing that in user land, you're doing it wrong. Um, those should be reserved for the engine. Hey, Larry, um, I want to thank you for taking the time to be a part of Voices of the Elephant today and for every episode that you've done. And thank you again for taking the time to document some of the stuff so the rest of us who just use this stuff can have clues as to how it works. I really appreciate anybody who will take the time to write good, solid documentation. And I know that the stuff that you write is going to be good and solid. Um, user or audience, thank you so much for being a part of another episode of Voices of the Elephant. Hey, I hope you have found it at a valuable investment of your time. Do us a favor, go out to your favorite podcasting network and leave us a rating. If you like what we're doing, leave us five stars, five thumbs up, whatever it is, um, and a review. If there's something we can do better to serve you, please drop me an email, cal at calevans.com. I love hearing from viewers. And every time somebody writes me, I always try to take all the advice to heart. So thank you so much. And hey, we'll see you right here next week on Voices of the Elephant. Thanks for listening to Voices of the Elephant. Voices of the Elephant is copyright EICC Incorporated and released under a Creative Commons attribution, no derivatives, share and share alike license. To nominate someone to be a guest on Voices of the Elephant, visit our website and click on the nominate link. The URL is voicesoftheelephant.com. Elephant is of course spelled E-L-E-P-H-P-A-N-T.